Hello and welcome to Spark Generation. I'm Joe Hennigan, Head of Marketing at Kentech Group, and in this episode I'll be speaking to Mike Scotland. Born for a career in HSE, Mike was a guest speaker at the Offshore Safety Awards in 2019, and this year he was voted as one of the top 10 health and safety influencers by HSE people. Okay, so let's get serious here about men's health. A lot of the serious health problems men experience, mental health struggles, male suicide, and even the rate of deaths from testicular and prostate cancer can be traced back to one thing, toxic masculinity. We've built a world in which society tells men that speaking out and sharing their problems is a sign of weakness. Mike Scotland has spent the last few years fighting against that narrative. A year ago, he launched a group called Man Up Speak Up, providing a safe space for people in the energy industry to talk about their challenges and share their experiences. It's been a lifeline to many. This year, his mission has been to tackle environmental issues, starting in his corner of the world in Aberdeen, but turning it into a movement that's spread worldwide. Mike is 29 years old, and he's achieved so much to help so many people. So stay with me as we dive in and hear more about Mike's inspirational journey. This is Spark Generation. Welcome, Mike Scotland, to Spark Generation. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) No problem at all. Thanks for... Thanks for asking me to join you. It's, uh, again, it's a, it's always a privilege and a, an honour. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, to tip, to, just to kick us off, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you share your life with? Um, so I am born and raised in Aberdeen, uh, northeast of Scotland, and share my life with my beautiful fiance. And I have two young children who keep me very, very occupied. Um, so yeah. <laughs> It's definitely a busy, busy household up here in Scotland. How old are your children? Uh, my children are two and a half and my baby girl is four months old. And so, yeah, there's a lot of sleepless nights still ongoing, unfortunately. <laughs> you wouldn't have it any other way, I'm sure. Um, so I know you're not currently working in the energy industry, which is, you know, kind of what this podcast is based around, and we'll come on to that in a bit. But can you tell us a little bit about your background in the industry and how you came to find your passion for HSE? Yeah, I think the the passion for HSE is probably just came from my passion for wanting to help people. Um, you know, my, my background's in fitness and football, so I've always been a team, you know, in a team uh, environment. And I think when I started in the oil and gas industry itself, uh, I probably just kind of treated it the same. I mean, yeah. we're all working towards achieving the same goal um, and we want to be able to help each other and make sure that we all achieve that goal as safely as possible. Um, I started off as a, it's called a green hand roustabout offshore, which is I was just kind of doing all the, the maintenance jobs and the, the painting here and the painting there. Um, so I got familiar with a lot of the guys around the rig pretty quick. Um, and when we're doing these operations, all that gets spoken about is make sure we do it right, make sure we do it correctly, make sure we do it safely. Um, so for whatever reason, I just fully bought into that concept. And whenever we were doing jobs, rather than just focusing on the task itself, I find myself focusing on, 
oh, well, what happens if this person does that? And what happens if they do that? And, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, because I, I'm not an engineer, I'm not mechanical or electrical minded. Um, so there was other people to do that. So I guess it kind of just allowed me to to focus on the other things, focus on the people. And I, I just genuinely care and want to make sure that everybody goes home safely. And then there was a there was an opportunity that came up, wasn't there, where you could step a little bit further into that field? Yeah. So one of the projects I was working on, same again, I started off um, as part of a deck crew and there was an opportunity to be a safety rep. Um, so basically a safety rep was not really a voice for the people, but if you had any potential concerns or safety issues that you maybe wanted to to get done a little bit differently, you would pass it on to your safety rep and and that person would go to a meeting or they would have direct contact with the HSE leadership team. And, you know, you were able to kind of make make that difference. Um, so I got nominated for from my peers to be in that position. So that was my first full chance of actually getting a taste of being able to make that difference. And I went on to do a lot of, I would say, unique speeches <laughs> to a group of uh, a cinema cinema packed room, a guy's offshore talking about oh, earplugs and doing things in mute and then ended up singing. And <laughs> so, yeah, um, there's not really much I won't do to try and get a point across about, you know, making sure everything gets done safely. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that really stood you well because then you ended up being asked to go and speak at a big industry event, didn't you, around the HSE thing? Yeah, so that was yeah, that totally caught me off guard to be honest, and it's still to this day one of the best things, best experiences, uh, and one of the most proudest moments I've had in my entire life. So um, I was actually out with my family at a, it was like a playhouse sort of thing for my kid. <laughs> And I got a call um, from Steve Ray, from the director of Step Change and Safety, asking if I, I wanted to be a speech at the Offshore Safety Awards. Um, to be honest, at the beginning, I thought it was a joke because <laughs> I was thinking, why are you choosing me? But, you know, I, I put a speech together. I went on stage in front of a room packed full of, I think it was about 500 of the top HSE professionals around the world and and spoke about being a safety rep and you know what the uh, rules and regulations responsibilities and everything is and it was just amazing I mean you know for years I'd been in a position where I might not really get looked at half the time I wouldn't get listened at and then one day I rock up at the P&J live in Aberdeen and I've been able to speak to all these guys I probably wanted to do for years but all at once so <laughs> it was uh yeah it was incredible and now that's up online, isn't it? So other people can go and watch your speech at that event as well. I've watched it myself. It's really good. Uh, I've, uh, <laughs> I've actually looked back and watched it and I thought, oh, wow, you need to lose a bit of weight, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was, like I said, it was it was a great experience and, and something that, you know, I'll, I'll always remember. And, you know, funnily enough, you mentioned about watching it back, but sometimes I actually do just watch back and then you know to try and look to see how far I've came as an individual and um, because yeah. a lot of the time I think we get so caught up in day-to-day -day activities and look so far ahead as individuals all the time we try and plan 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 sometimes it's nice just to stop 
and just look at what you've done. Um, you know, we all talk about being on a journey, but do we really need to focus on that final destination? Don't really think we do. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I do look back and listen to it and think, you done all right, pal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, when you look back like that? Because I always find that, you know, at the time that whatever event it was that was going on, you thought you had it all sussed. You were like you'd reached the pinnacle of your maturity and you had everything sussed out. And then you look back again, like five, ten years down the line, and think, geez, I just knew nothing at that point. I was so green around the ears. I think that's um, so important, though. Like, I think that's that's a, the best way to learn is looking at how far you've came and looking at the things you've done at the time. Um, I do a lot of self-reflection every single day um, because I do make mistakes. I'm not always right. Uh, and, you know, it's been able to acknowledge them because unless you're able to stop and acknowledge the mistakes that you've made, you're going to keep making them. Um, but what I try to find is that I can find the positives in it. So if I make mistakes or I do something wrong, because I take the time to look every single day I can then share it with others and it prevents them from making the same mistakes or choices I made um, and yeah. so yeah so maybe some of the hairstyles I've done or some of the clothes <laughs> I've wear is a little bit debatable um, but in terms of the actions I've made and some of the things I've said you know I, I try and remember it take notes and, and share it with as many people as I can because I think that's that's how we learn yeah I just want to come round to one of the one of the key amazing things that you've done um it's obviously you know a key part of hse and one that's thankfully growing in focus especially around the energy industry is around mental health and uh, particularly men's mental health probably um so if we just kind of whiz back a year ago probably around a year ago exactly was our first conversation um, Kentech did a, a piece on your story for um, a, seri a series of campaign that we were running for International Men's Day last year. And I remember speaking to you on a cold um, November evening and I was tucked up nice and warm in my home office, but you were standing outside on an offshore oil rig in the North Sea. <laughs> Probably, I don't know, we were speaking for about an hour and you must have been absolutely freezing. Um but at that point, we, we wanted to speak to you about um, the support group that you'd set up, uh, Man Up Speak Up. And I think it had only been live for just a matter of weeks at that point that we spoke to you. But the following to that page was skyrocketing already at that point. For those of the people listening today who don't know this story, can you tell us the inspiration where this group came from? Yeah, um... <laughs> I talk about, you know, looking back in time and seeing how things have developed and this is this is a daily thought process for me and it, it's one that keeps me going and I think Man Up Speak Up, it started, it started, a lot of it was just from my own experience. Um, yeah. I, I went through a really dark period um, which I wasn't fully aware of I was going through and you know, a lot of people have call it a breakdown. I call it a realization because I find myself in the car with my other half. My son was in the back and I had a lot going on in my head and it felt like somebody was scraping the inside of my head. I was, I crawled into the corner of my seat and started shaking. I was panicking and I ended up in tears and ended up going to the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, 
I explained everything that was going on in my head to the best of my ability. And that's when I discovered that I was actually facing mental health challenges and um, extreme anxiety. I wouldn't say it was depression, but the, the that level of anxiety was, you know, affecting my frustration, anger, um, which allowed me to start making sense of it all. Um, I took myself on a, a trip down memory lane to my furthest memory as a child and pretty much relived my whole life to figure out what was going on. Um, a few months after that, back to a place where I actually used to go down uh, in my darkest times, just, I think it's just about 600 meters from my house, actually. I, I went live on a video and started a group called Man Up Speak Up for the offshore and oil and gas industry. Um, the reason I made it industry specific is I know there's a lot of groups out there that do it for that generalization for anyone. Yeah. And one thing I'll never say is I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not a mental health professional. So there's a lot of things I still don't know about mental health and I'll never pretend I do. Yeah. But the things I can relate to is working offshore um, being in that isolation when you're in the middle of the sea and maybe the internet goes down or you know maybe you're you're too tired you go in your room you take all those negative thoughts with you um, and sometimes you don't really know how to process them you don't know how to deal with them so I put together Man Up Speak Up to basically be a place where people can engage with each other like-minded people that can engage with each other in the industry so they have that one thing in common that one connection and with it being about mental health as well the group is private just to make sure that we've got you know the privacy for the members there that you know don't feel they're going to be subject to any excess people coming on and saying oh you're you know you're talking about mental health or you're struggling with this and you're struggling with that the group's mm -hmm. there to encourage people to speak up encourage people to talk about their feelings and you, you mentioned that you know one of the biggest things is men's mental health i'm proud that in that group we have over 73 percent of our members as men um, and yeah. the group itself has just got just under 810 members so you know and that's that's quite a large number and that's that number is there for people that have came forward and look to talk about mental health that number doesn't even tickle the surface of the people that haven't came forward the people that haven't mm -hmm. spoke up the people that don't even know what they're experiencing it took me to you know have that incident an episode in my car for me to really understand that i was experiencing this some people the outcome that they have is is suicide unfortunately so yeah. some people are going through these things and they, they don't even know it until it's until it's too late. And that's why, you know, getting the group up and getting everything set up about trying to speak up. Hopefully we can prevent, you know, that that fatal, fatal thing from happening. Yeah, it's such a I mean, we do we ask a lot of people, I think, in this industry when we're asking people to travel to you know, really extreme environments, really remote environments, and, and just, just the rotational work in general, you're basically taking them out of everything that they know and everything that they find comfort in. You're taking them away from their whole lives and asking them to spend, you know, big chunks of time away from home when, when life still carries on back at home without them. 
and then they have to come back and pick it all back up again and you know pick up where they left off with everything that they've missed and I just think it's just it's such a massive ask like um another boss of our company always describes people that work in this industry as touched meaning they've got to be a little bit mad <laughs> people have got to be that a little bit mad to agree to do this um but but yeah I mean I guess I guess it is really really tough and was there was was there certain trigger events I think that you know came up in your past that that led to that point where you were in the car with your fiance I'd like to have all the answers and say yes, uh, but to be honest, no. Um, I think it could have just been that, you know, <laughs> that build up of pressure um, or, or, you know, it was a gas release as such because um, it, it felt like an explosion of emotions. Um, I think what didn't help, though, was, was having a son. Um, and I'll be brutally honest, I... I grew up, even at the age of eight years old, I always wanted to have a little boy and I wanted to be a dad. Um, and I spent just under seven years helping develop two really successful children's companies. Uh, one was through football and the other one was through educational and fitness. So in my own head, I thought, you know what? See, when I become a dad, I'm going to be the best dad ever. But when mm-hmm. I had my son, it wasn't what I expected. Um, so hard you know people tell you it's the best thing that ever happens and you know it's so good it's life and all that sort of good stuff but to be honest i i'm very honest with people now i have a couple of friends that um were expecting kids i said look pal you know you better be ready because you're going to be in for a whirlwind um Mm. you know a lot of people would uh, put me down as oh mike you're going to be the best time when it comes but to be honest I I didn't even like my son for almost a, a whole year. Um, mm. He was challenged with lots of setbacks, uh, things that people don't tell you, you know, like little things like the reflux and, and all that sort of things. And it was really challenging. And I would go offshore for three weeks and, you know, three weeks at home would take place and then I'd come home again. And everything I had learned from that first three weeks being at home after coming back after another three weeks, it had all changed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I learned stuff maybe in a little bit different way from, from some people. Um, so everything I learned was dated. And then I had to learn everything from scratch again. And, you know, there were certain medicines I had to put at certain times. And, and to be honest, everything, everything just bombarded me. I was overloaded. And I yeah. found it really, really, really challenging. Um, yeah, it brought it's the expectations, out... isn't it? It's the expectations we set on ourselves. So you, you know, I always, always thought that you were going to be, you were born to be a dad, and you were going to be a great dad, and I'm sure you are a great dad. But it's, it's, you know, you just think it's going to be this happy fairy tale, and when the reality hits of just how tough the reality of things can be, um, you know, your your expectations are crushed. Yeah, and it's and it's horrible. I mean. I I went through the the equivalent of the men's postnatal depression. Uh, I thought that was a wind up because um, I didn't think men could have that. But you know, it, and it did bring me down to that really dark place. And you know, sometimes I think, right, was it my son that made me feel like this? But to be honest, it was my son that made me the person I am today. Because um, he brought this person out of me. 
he brought me down to that dark place and you know seeing him smile and playing with him now i mean he's nuts but he's uh he's definitely bet got the best person out of me um so it goes back to being able to turn that negative situation into a positive one um you know and i'm really thankful for for reaching that that dark pit um you know i'm just extremely fortunate that i've i've managed to climb out of it yeah it's strange, isn't it, how children can do that to you, just completely turn your life on its axis. <laughs> it's amazing what um, they can teach you. Yeah, absolutely. But can you tell us a little bit more about the group now? Like, obviously, when we first spoke, it was, it was, it, the following was skyrocketing and it'll been up for a couple of weeks. But how has it grown over the last year? And um, it, I mean, I know you can't speak about other people's individual stories or anything like that, and I would not ask you to, but... What does it mean to people in the industry, do you think, having this group? I think it means hope. To be perfectly honest, I think it means hope. Now, for me, if there was 10 members or 1,000 members or 10,000 members, I think it's encouraged people that to just speak up in general. You know, maybe not necessarily just about mental health, but even just a conversation, just talk what you want, like express what you actually want to say. Um, and I think mental health is is skyrocketing across the world just now. And in the oil and gas industry, it's been, it's been a subject that maybe wasn't even touched before. So the fact that Man Up Speak Up as a group um, is getting mentioned by the industry and acknowledged that is probably one of the biggest achievements that, that that we can take from this is that the industry are beginning to speak up. Um, the members within the, the group itself is, yeah, I mean, there has been many difficult calls um, uh, from early, early hours in the morning to late ones at night. Um, but no, I can... I can speak to you today and say that the group saved people's lives. Um, and what and what has it meant to you? Because obviously you obviously set this group group up because of your past experiences. So I imagine that not only was it to help other people with similar experiences to you, but also to help you navigate your way through through that as well. Like what what has it meant to you over the past year being able to open up and speak to people? Um. It's meant everything. Um, what does everything mean? Um, everything means that it, for the first time in my entire life, I've been able to be me. You know, and maybe, maybe in a group, in a conversation, or you go out with some friends and you maybe reserve yourself because you don't want to say the wrong thing or you're scared what people might think if you start talking about maybe something in your head or how you feel, which can be frowned upon. But I I enjoy speaking about mental health. Mm. Um, I think the subject itself is extremely interesting. Um, and I think it, it allows you to kind of enter little parts of your brain that you, it's kind of like your body. If you don't go to the gym or you don't train, you don't know about the muscles and the things that you've, you've maybe never used before until the next day and you're sore. <laughs> Um, in mental health for me it's kind of like that you know you start having topic uh, start talking about certain topics and subjects that you would just never have ever spoken about before and 
with openly talking about it to other people that are, are not judgmental, that want to talk about it, that want to listen, you you feel relaxed in a conversation. And you know yourself, if you're if you're chilled out and have a conversation with a good friend, a really good friend that you trust and respect, it, it's you always end up talking about the most randomest things. And yeah. sometimes that's when the best ideas start. So I think by putting mental health to the side, it actually unlocks, uh, it locks, sorry, a lot of hidden potential from everyone, no matter what industry you are, no matter what what background you have or what walks of life you come from, being able to just openly talk about a subject creates creativity. And when you have that creative aspect and you don't hold people back and you try and pick them up and push them forward, you get an abundance of opportunities. And it's just hidden potential that needs to be unleashed. So mental health, it might be, a, a you know, let's say a depressing subject. It might be a negative subject. But the positives from it, if you're able to tackle it and open that box correctly, it's, it's, a, it's a game changer. Couldn't agree more with everything that you've just said. That was really good. Thank you. Um, should we talk about 2020? It's been really rubbish, hasn't it, so far? It's been different. <laughs> yeah, what a year. Um, I was so pleased at the beginning of this year because I follow you on LinkedIn. We're connected on LinkedIn. Um, you know, after everything that we'd spoken about last year, I was like, yes, he's finally getting the recognition that he deserves. He's got his dream job. I was doing a little dance. Tell everybody what happened to you at the beginning of this year. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, like you said, I got my dream job and there's no other way to put it. Like, it really, it, yeah. So, obviously, starting in the industry, um, you know, talking about HSE and my passion for helping people, um, you know, I'd, being a safety rep was as far as I could probably go in terms of being able to get HSE out there. But I got a call and I found myself <laughs> sitting up at Tullis in the Shell building and I got the job. Yay! <laughs> I became the, an HSE advisor and safety coach for Shell, which, like, don't get me wrong, I love my kids. I really do, right? But that was the best thing in the world. <laughs> I'm going to say that my other half is going to kill me, but that was the best thing in the world. Um, yeah. Because I can't even explain just being there, being in that, that office and being able to go to work. You know, I remember I see quotes in that by people all the time. Um, but just being able to go to my work and it not feel like work was... Yeah incredible um and i feel really lucky to be in that opportunity that i've i've experienced it um i loved going to work i loved everything about it it was absolutely amazing um and i it, it's strange because i actually remember being in the canteen looking up at the tv screens and then it started talking about this this covid19 mm. and for whatever reason i instantly thought oh oh this is <laughs> this is going to be here and it's going to hit hard. Um, and it definitely hit hard and it's still hitting hard. Um, and unfortunately, because of the pandemic, I lost my position. Um, 
But it's strange because as upsetting as it is, I don't feel I don't feel down about it. You know, who who do you know that can say that they've managed to get their dream job? Or, you know, be able to fulfill a lifelong ambition. Um, so I feel really fortunate to be in that position. Um, how, how long were you actually there for? I was at Shell for five and a half months. Um, right. You know, I would have been happy with one day, though. <laughs> I was there for five and a half months. Um, but it's, I, I actually got quite a lot of responsibilities in such a short space of time and you know I was able to get recognition for the work I'd done um in in the the last the last month was it the last month last month or definitely the last few weeks before I actually lost my position I was running mental health um sessions for for the team um you know alongside one of my colleagues we were running mental health sessions and you know, giving people, uh, you know, supportive um, necessities. So, you know, breathing techniques and talking to them about, you know, how to maybe recognize things and deal with it and everything. Um, so I was able to get that message across and, you know, talk about mental health and get it ingrained in them. And, you know, it was nice for them to be able to, to give me that opportunity and to buy into it. Um, you know, it's uh, Shell is one of the biggest companies in the entire world, and you know they they appreciate mental health, and they were very supportive towards me and how they dealt with everything. So yeah, you know, and I'll I'll always be grateful for that, thankful for the opportunity, and thankful for how they were able to to see me out as such. Um, you know, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and I know. That, sorry, I know that no. you're saying that you're not down about it. Um, it certainly seems like you've you kind of turned things around for yourself and you've got a, a really strong mindset and a great way of viewing things, but it must have been difficult at the time, five and a half months in and and when they actually, you know, came and delivered the news that your position was no longer available. Um, the, was there a couple of weeks there where you were thinking, what now? What next? Like, what was what did the next few weeks look like for you? I think I meant to say no, but if I'm honest, you know, I was actually okay about it. You know, right. I really, I really was. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in trusting the process, and I know that's hard to do. It took me, well, it took me 29 years, but I believe everything's meant to happen for a reason. Um, I really, really do. Uh, and obviously, when I got the news, it was more. It was more plans ahead for the future had to change more than anything. Yeah. You know, I was in the same position as millions and millions of people across the world was in. Yeah. I didn't take it personally. I just accepted it. Um, I accepted it pretty quick. And I actually shocked myself, to be honest, because I, you know, Mike, maybe even a year and a half ago, that would, that could have tipped me over the edge, that. Because I, I might have started thinking, Oh no! Why have they got rid of me? It's my fault. I'm not good, and but that that wasn't the case. I literally lost my position because of the the pandemic. It doesn't make me any worse in my job or anything like that. It was just the position I was in. The project I was working on got delayed. It got stopped. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I just enjoyed taking that month out 
and spending every single day with my son um, and creating memories that, yes, he's young, but he'll remember them. I, I know he will. Um, and we had such an absolutely amazing time together. My other half is obviously pregnant at that time, still working from home and uh, a very intense job that she does. But, you know, I just thought, you know what, whatever will happen, will happen. I'll just have to adapt and overcome. Um, and that's, funnily enough, that's one thing that we were always told when I was in the army was adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. And that's that's always been my mindset. Um, if anything happens, if you get faced with a challenge, don't get stuck and consumed within it. Just adapt and overcome. There will always be a way. You just need to find it. Um, yeah. And I think being able to use that mindset has has probably saved me and my family through this this pandemic is just being able to adapt and overcome things. Yeah. And I've been watching with great interest this year because it speaks to everything that I absolutely adore. You've been focusing um, a passion a little bit more on the E and HSE this year when you've um, launched <laughs> yet sort of another new group. It's about the community cleanup, which is getting so much attention. Oh, Can you tell wow. people about what you've been doing? It's so good. Okay, so you can probably hear my voice already. <laughs> I honestly, it's just, it's it's nothing against mental health. Mental health is very, it can be very draining as equally as it is uh, uplifting. But see being able to clean the ground beneath your feet, the real thing that supports you in this world and making it better, that is just amazing. Um, and... What's strange, you, you, you mentioned about where did Man Up Speak Up. Man Up Speak Up started by a riverside and a condemned water pumping station yeah. beside a road uh, at the bottom of a set of stairs which screamed, this is not safe to go down. <laughs> um, and the same place that, that started is where I done my very first litter pick on the 17th of January this year. Um I was getting frustrated walking past and seeing litter and I thought, let's go back to where Man Up Speak Up started, where I used to go down in my dark place and I started picking up litter. Um, and a guy got off his bike, stopped me, asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm picking up litter. He asked if he wanted to give me a hand. I was like, brilliant. He gave me a glove he found earlier that day. And three hours later, we had six black bags full of rubbish collected. Mm-hmm. Um and instantly I'd said to him, I'm going to start a group and we're just going to start cleaning up the world. And he just started laughing. And funnily enough, he looked at me and thought, this guy's nuts, which is half true. <laughs> but I went home that day, spoke to my missus. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then at half two in the morning, so the following morning, I designed the community cleanup logo. I started the group. And the following weekend, we ran our first event. So I put the group out there, explained what our kind of mission statement was about clean up the environment, about positive energy, good to go. And that weekend, we collected 600 kilograms worth of litter from that area. Um, The following weekend, we ran a a litter picking event over in Ghana and Vietnam. Um, Still don't know how that was even possible, but we've done it. (laughs) And then that that weekend on the same day, in a span of four hours, 
um, combined across um, Aberdeen, <laughs> Muggy Moss, uh, Ghana and Vietnam. We got over 1.2 thousand kilograms of rubbish collected in that short wow. time span. Um, from, from January, the Community Cleanup Group has just literally, the word you use, skyrocketed. Um, the group's driven from mental health and it's, I don't like using the word subliminal message, but it's it's an underlying message that the right people can see it and the right people buy into it. Um, more so now with the pandemic that picking up litter, I think people always think it's someone else's litter. Um, but the, the quicker that people realize that if it's our planet, if it's our world, then it's all our litter. Um, and being able to go out into the environment and enjoy it, you need to look after it, you know. And, you know, I, the mental health aspect comes from giving people a purpose in life. There's so many people losing their jobs. There's so many people out of position that they want to be in. But if you are able to give yourself a purpose in life and help this environment, it's something that we can all do. It's completely free. You can do it at any point of the day, any time, wherever you are, whatever the weather condition is, and you can go outside and clean up this environment. And what we do as a group is we've we've set up a little hub um, where we have been given an unbelievable amount of donations from exceptionally kind and selfless individuals and companies. Um, because we're not just picking up litter. We've started creating what used to be an eyesore and filled with thousands of kilograms. I mean, thousands of kilograms of litter is now a popular place for families to go down, for people that are maybe going through a dark spell to go down, enjoy the wildlife. Um, we've got like a fairy garden down there now. We've done an event for Halloween, which was extremely successful. We've done a Remembrance Day. Uh, we do a lot of educational work down there. So because we found so many old items, we can talk to kids about, you know, if you if you were to throw that letter down just now, it could be here for 50 plus, maybe 100 years. Are you aware of that? And then they're like, oh, no, I didn't know that. And that's when the conversation starts. And then you can start getting the, the next generation ready for not just cleaning up our mess, but preparing the world for, for you know, a, a fresher environment. So, um, yeah, honestly, it's yeah. a subject that is I've driving my passion. That. I've seen some of the litter that's been picked <laughs> on the post, the, the pictures that you've been posting online. And yeah, like Chris <laughs> packets from like 50 years ago. And it has like the memorabilia of what was going on at that time. And and yeah, just chocolate bars that are no longer sold that just kind of throw me back 30 years going, oh yeah, why did we stop making them? Um, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's pretty you were pulling, You were pulling, boring. you know, tires out of the river and old shopping <laughs> trolleys out of the river and all sorts of things aren't you yeah i mean the in terms of the the scrap metal so the basically the stretch of the river that we're doing it's it's probably about a 700 meter stretch 400 meter stretch is focused on the the riverside so on the hill but the stretch of the river um, I started off with just putting on some wellies and going into the river, but then the water was getting in my wellies. Um, so a company actually donated me some waders, and it's one of the best things that's ever happened because it meant I could start rummaging around like a little kid um, on an adventure. And 
it's quite strange. So obviously we see with our eyes, but when you go in the water, you you see with your feet. And what I mean by that is, you 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 know what it feels like when you kick a stone to when you kick metal. So I'm just mm. rummaging through and just I can feel all this stuff at my feet, and then I'll I'll kind of dip down and pull stuff out. And I think it was in a span of about two months, we got over two and a half thousand kilograms uh, metal removed from the river. Um, mm. And like I said, that's a 700 meter stretch, two and a half thousand kilograms of metal. And what that's done is in, in an area that used to be quite bad water from the old industrial works that went on, it's now extremely cleaner i wouldn't say it's 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 fully clean but it's a hell of a lot cleaner and for the first time in over 40 years we've now seen the otters swimming upstream um which yeah that's that was one of the the greatest things i've ever seen in my entire life that first time coming down i was doing some work down at the hub and this little this little fella popped up um and at first i was like what the hell is that that's a weird looking fish. <laughs> and then it, it turned out it was an otter. And then I started doing a bit more research, started speaking to people in the area, um, started speaking to the right people that know about otters. And yeah, they, they, they've returned. Um, so where we have set up this, we call it the hub, and it's a viewing platform, which used to be covered in glass and rusted handrails. is now fully decked out. We've got relaxing chairs lights so you can come down at night we've got a bird feeding station safety equipment so people are now coming down from all over to look out for these otters from the viewing platform that we created and it's just amazing it's honestly just amazing i mean in in a time like 2020 when you know the way that humans are treating the the planet has been brought into sharp focus I just think that a group like this and the attention that it's getting is so important because a lot of the questions that are being asked are, but what can I do? Because it feels like, you know, saving the planet is like, it's just a very, very big job. And it's, I feel like people tend to think that it's something that the governments need to sort out, like it's not for yeah. them, it's for somebody else to sort out. And to a degree it is, but... There's very much, um, you know, the power of the collective, the people coming together and, and, the, and the difference that they can make. If, if just one person does it, that's one thing. But, you know, if it's a collective of people, it makes a bigger impact. And, and just being able to show people that they can do small individual things to change, you know, to change their lifestyle and change the way they treat things every day. And if more and more people do that, then it makes a massive massive difference and this community cleanup and what you've done at Muggy Moss is a brilliant shining example of that so well done to you lot yeah no I, um, I appreciate that thank you and just just it's an absolute massive team effort um you know it really really is and I can't emphasize on that enough that you know the support down there for myself and the others around us it is really a huge team and a huge community effort um and that started to inspire other areas to do the same and that's yeah. probably the biggest thing to take away that we are cleaning up the environment it's amazing for your mental health but more and people are now starting to do it and that that's huge yeah seeing the way it spreads it's just amazing um 
what does the future hold for Mike Scotland now? Like, you know, we've done, we've got the, the mental health group skyrocketing, we've got community cleanup skyrocketing, but but what next for you? Where do you see your, where do you see your future career? Do you see it back in the oil and gas industry or is there other things that you want to do? Um, as long as I can make a difference, I'm happy. Um, I'm currently working up at KFC just now, which, yeah. <clears throat> It's it's a different industry. It holds <clears throat> it holds different challenges. Um, it's definitely a different experience. Um, I get to go to work each day and serve the public, which is good. Um, I'm proud of the the things that we can serve them because I absolutely love KFC chicken. But <laughs> it is amazing. Um, I'm not just saying that. I mean, it is amazing. I actually look forward to having it every time I'm there. Um, but I think as well, like I go to work and I look up, I look up at the, the signage and I see the, the colonel there. And for those people that don't know, he started KFC when he was 65 years old. Yeah. That itself is inspirational. So whenever I go to work, I, I get to fulfill his legacy and that inspires me. Um, and it's something I won't take for granted. And what I'm not entirely sure what the future holds, um, but I, I think I, I'm, I've obviously expanded my toolkit for what I can deliver now um, yeah. going forward. Uh, but I'm not too sure. I think I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time with my kids, um, which is amazing. Uh, you know, my beautiful little girl, my little boy, <laughs> uh, you know, my beautiful other half. I think I'm just trying to focus on just enjoying what, what the now holds. Um, yeah. The future brings uncertainty. Um, and sometimes I think people focus on it too much and it brings worry and anxiety, but I'm just trying to stay as consistent as I possibly can. And, you know, I trust the process and whatever happens in the future, it's meant to happen. So we'll just take it, take it one day at a time. Um, you know, every week's going to be different. Things develop in different ways. We don't know what next month's going to hold. Um, so I'm, I'm not really planning ahead just now, just enjoying each day. Yeah, you've sort of, so we, we like to end each podcast with the same question. Okay. You sort of just answered it in a way with what you just said there, which was it was great <laughs> and you know a great message and a great piece of advice. But I'm going to ask it anyway in case there's anything else that you want. <laughs> okay. Obviously, the you know the global economies are all over the place. I feel sorry for the next generation of people that have to come into the job market because, you know, they're going to be in, entering the marketplace when you know the world, the countries of the world, are starting to try and pay off the debts that we were running up over this year. Um, but despite that, what advice would you give to the next genera generation of people entering the job market? Like, what what is a key piece of advice that you would give the next generation? I think just be kind to yourself and, and be happy with the person you are. <clears throat> I think I remember being a 15-year-old at my careers advice at school thinking I had ev everything sussed out. Um, I joined the army at 16 years old. I have worked in the fitness industry. I've worked in the oil and gas. I've, I, I now work in the food industry. I had no idea any of that things were gonna happen. Um, 
So just don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just stay grounded, trust the process, um, and try and find happiness with yourself. Products will always come and go. Um, but I think if you can really find true happiness in yourself, whatever life throws at you, you, you know, you'll be okay. So yeah, just try and find inner happiness and just stay grounded. Be humble. Wow. Mike Scotland, you are a rock star and an inspiration to many. Thanks so much for joining us on Spark Generation today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks for having me. And you know what? Thanks for being an incredible person as well. I think um, you're an inspiration. You bring out the best in a lot of people around the world, probably to those around you and your company. And, you know, thank you for having me on here. Thank you. Well, what a guy. His energy, passion and unapologetic enthusiasm is truly inspirational. I think you'll all agree with me when I say his optimism is contagious. Mike is a living, breathing example of just what can be achieved when people come together as a collective. But it's only the special few people who kick off these movements, and Mike is one of them. If you work in the energy industry and want to share your thoughts and experiences with like-minded people, search out the Man Up Speak Up group on Facebook. And if you're local to Aberdeen, I'd recommend a little visit down to Muggy Moss to visit the Otters. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and listen to Spark Generation in any of the usual places you listen to podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening and stay safe.